It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Eric Erickson, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You bet. We got a lot to go through here. Listen, the fate of the nation hangs in the balance. Is is that too much of a statement? <laughs> Definitely the Senate, for sure. Okay. All right. Now, Eric Erickson, host of the radio show, Atlanta's Evening News, broadcast WSB Radio out of Atlanta, lives in Macon, Georgia, which is Bibb County, which, you know, Eric, that's right up my alley, by the way, because I, I study this county stuff. All right. Right in the heart of the state. That's what I'm saying. You tell us today, where do these Senate races stand as of now? I think that what we're seeing as as we get through early voting is that Republicans are behind Democrats, as everyone expects would happen, uh, even into the midst of early voting. But they're not nearly as behind as they were in the general election. And that's good. Uh, The trend line suggests it's about 60-40, when in the general election, it was about a 70-30 split. And 60-40 is right where the Republicans need to be, because historically in Georgia, they always turn out higher on election day than Democrats, uh, regardless of the weather. And that's getting some Republicans very confident. Uh, We're seeing tens of thousands of new voters show up who did not participate in the general. And those voters are coming from high-intensity Republican areas, including some of them who have voted in the past in Republican primaries and just sent out this general election. That suggests that they're coming in favor of divided government. In fact, if you look at the exit polling in Georgia uh, from the general election, uh, an overwhelming majority of them favored divided government, and that gives the Republicans some encouragement. Mm. Why was it 70-30 then in the general election? Because you had the entirety of the Republican Party, from the state party to the president, saying don't do absentee voting, don't do early voting, show up on Election Day. And there were, I think, Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, notes there were roughly, I want to say it was 25,000 Republicans who voted absentee ballot in the primary and then never showed up in the general election. And a lot of this was the Republicans telling people not to do it. So they listened. Wow. Okay. So now you've got this dynamic where it's been a couple of weeks now. The president's fighting these court battles. We'll see how they all wind out. Has that had an effect on early voting or can you tell? Well, My initial reaction was that it was going to, and in fact, there was some polling done in Georgia that showed uh, there was a minority but significant minority of Republicans who just weren't going to go vote. Uh, But the president came down uh, right after the election, uh, towards the end of November, he did a rally with uh, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, and he made the statement that some of my friends say they're not going to go vote. Uh, Because what happened in the presidential election said the solution here is not to go vote, but to go vote and go vote in large numbers. Uh, David Perdue quickly turned that into an advertisement that has been blasted all over the state. And the president and the vice president showing up have really, really helped. In fact, um, uh, voters in Georgia who are Republicans have been getting mail pieces, myself included, in the mail uh, with a picture of smiling and waving Mike Pence with here's the website to go to to get your absentee ballot. Go do it right now. Wow. Wow. It seems like they've learned a lesson. Yeah, I, I think so. It, it was it was madness for the GOP 
to publicly be telling voters in Georgia not to do absentee ballots because historically the Republicans dominate the absentee ballot game in Georgia. This is the first year in a while that Democrats outpaced Republicans on absentee balloting in Georgia. And it had a lot to do with a concerted effort from the state party to the national party saying, go vote on election day. Don't do absentee. Mm-hmm. Help us understand. Stacey Abrams gets a lot of attention. She ran for statewide office. Uh, she lost narrowly, but she lost. What has she done on the Democratic Party side, what has she done well? Is she getting a fair amount of credit or too much credit, in your view, Eric? You know, listen, I, I like Stacey Abrams. I, I Having the, the evening news program in Atlanta, I interviewed every single candidate, Republican and Democrat, who ran for governor in 2018. She was one of the best interviews. Very personable, very self-deprecating. I think she kind of let the election go to her head a little bit. She's not quite as self-deprecating as she had been. I actually think she's a little bit overrated. Uh, and I can give you this anecdotally, uh, her team, Fight Georgia and the like, were in the run-up to the 2018 gubernatorial election in Georgia, registered 998,000 people to vote. Less than 100,000 of those people actually showed up to vote in 2018. And again, you know, like they say with the markets, the past is not an indicator of the future. With voters, the past is an indicator of the future. And if you're 45 and you've never voted and they finally register you to vote, the odds are you're still not going to go vote. And they made an inordinate amount of hay over the number of people they registered and have never really talked about how few of them actually showed up. And if you actually look at uh, the voter rolls in Georgia, there are about 11,000 people currently as considered pending voters in Georgia that her organization registered to vote. And the reason they're pending voters is because they got information wrong. Either their address doesn't match what's on record or their social security number doesn't. And if they aren't corrected by next year, they'll be wiped off the voter rolls altogether. Mm. You know, they talk about like, the, you know, the case in Florida from 20 years ago, uh, they, they make an example out of Florida because they reformed their election rules. Right. And, you know, they kick out a winner early on the night. Texas, I think, is similar. You can make the case. You, you wonder if, if, if Georgia is now in that progression. Do you think it is? I think they're going to have to. One of the things that uh, Florida does well and uh, what the president's team didn't object to is Florida counted and secured all of their absentee ballots before Election Day. In Georgia, they process the signatures. This is one of the mythologies that has come up on the Republican side that the signatures weren't matched. They actually were. They were matched before the election, but they didn't actually open the envelopes and pull out the ballots and start counting them until Election Day, which dragged out the process for several days. Okay. In Georgia, do you have a system like in Pennsylvania where you have a ballot on the inside and an envelope on the outside and they got to match up? Is, is that how Georgia does it? Yeah. So, so the way Georgia does signature verification is all of your voter registration cards and driver's licenses are scanned and they're put, their pictures are put into a Georgia Bureau of Investigation database. So what happens is when the envelope comes back, the outer envelope has to be signed by the voter. It is matched first to the absentee ballot application to make sure they match. And then it's looked at the Georgia Bureau of Investigation database and it has to match the most recent signature, because, I mean, for example, if you've signed your voter registration card in 1980, but you've got an updated driver's license from 2015, the odds are your signature has changed. So it's got to match two of the three, the the voter registration card and the um, driver's license or the absentee ballot application. But if it doesn't match two of the three, they have to call the voter and verify it's their ballot. Is that a cured ballot then when they go back and fix it? Yes. Uh, if they have, hmm. they've got the voter has 24 hours if it doesn't match to come in and prove it's their va- ballot. Okay. Has that always been the law or is that new in Georgia? 
So it, there was a court case that Stacey Abrams group filed in court and they won the case. There was ultimately a settlement. What happened in 2018 is the Secretary of State's office decided that you not only had to sign the ballot, but you also had to write in your birth date and your address, handwritten. And if they weren't, they would throw the ballot out. That was new that year. The law says you can only throw out ballots without a signature. And there was an issue as to whether or not they could reject ballots that lacked this other information. A federal judge said they couldn't. So the settlement agreement between Stacey Abrams Group and the Secretary of State was you can only throw out ballots missing a signature. And you're also going to give people 24 hours to come fix them. Uh, you notify the voter, give them 24 hours to cure it. Uh, only about, I, I want to say of the ballots that were rejected, it was a very small number of people who actually came in and cured their ballots. Less than 5,000 people uh, came in and actually bothered to sign their ballot. Less than 5,000. Yes. State, so the, state you're wide. talking several hundred thousand. Right. You're, you're talking several hundred thousand absentee ballots and statewide less than 5,000 never showed up to sign their ballots. So less than 5,000 of those absentee ballots were rejected. Okay. Okay. For perspective, so yeah, go ahead. Know, keep going. I'm, we're going deep down the rabbit hole on this for a second. Go ahead. Keep going, Eric. Okay. So in 2018, when the secretary of state's office was rejecting address and, and birth date and all that, the rejection rate was over 1%. Mm -hmm. But in 2016, the ballot rejection rate was 0.8%. In 2020, the ballot rejection rate was 0.7%. So basically the same rejection rate in presidential election cycles. Uh, in other words, a lot of the mythology about what happened in Georgia has been overstated by Republicans. Uh, there are problems with our balloting process, but the signature verification is not one of them. Okay, so this is what I was driving at here. And you know it well. You know the law well and the history. Do you trust it? Yeah, I do. I Look, I was an elections lawyer in Georgia for a number of years. In fact, when we moved to electronic voting in 2000, I was actually in law school interning for the Secretary of State's office and helped them design the system and get it off the ground. It, it's actually a very good system. Uh, it, it's one where the Democrats have for years screamed that it was insecure, and now the Republicans are making the same case. But in both cases, when you actually get them to talk about the system, they clearly don't understand how it works. For example, in Georgia, nothing is connected to the Internet. In fact, random trivia for you, Bill, the way that the official results for a county are submitted to the Secretary of State is they write them on paper, seal them in an envelope, and have a state trooper drive them to the Secretary of State's office. They don't even transmit that over the Internet. Is that a good thing? Yeah, I actually think it is. So for all the people who have skepticism about the Internet and hacking, we're going through this hacking crisis in the nation now with the Russians. Uh, everything in Georgia is kept offline. All the official records are completely disconnected from the Internet. Mm -hmm. You're with Eric Erickson. Fascinating conversation. A few more questions as Hammer Time rolls on right after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. 
Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Back with Eric Erickson, who probably knows Georgia better than anyone I know, Eric. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for a time. A, a few more moments here. In, in one of your last answers, you said, I just want to get this right. In 2016, you were 0.8%. In 2020, you were 0.7% of what? Ballots that were thrown uh, out or ballots that were not able yes. to be cured? Uh, ballots that were absentee ballots that were rejected because people failed to Th- sign. That them. is amazingly close between four years. And I, I would dare argue that that's really not the message that we've been getting reporting wise out of Georgia. Is that fair? <laughs> You're right. Uh, I, I've had to push back against this with my own audience when it comes to what happened in Georgia, because there are a lot of public claims that have been made, but they don't actually have any data to back it up. I'm not sure where they're getting some of the claims, um, but it really, the situation from 2016 when president Trump won the state to 2020, when he didn't win the state was actually fairly well, the same, you can actually see where the president lost his uh, election. And it was the North Metro Atlanta suburbs where you had a lot of Republicans who voted for Joe Biden and then Republican down ballot just because they didn't care for the president. That mm. really had a lot to do yeah. with it. I hear the dog barking. What's the dog's name? Uh, Maggie. Golden Ma- Doodle. FedEx <laughs> is delivering presents. I love it. Uh, tell Maggie hello for us. Um, one more question on this, and then I'm going to come back to what you talked about, about the metro suburbs of Atlanta, because that's, that's really where the heart of the story is to me. Uh, I get this question from a viewer who found out I was going to talk with you, and he wanted to know, is the state of Georgia capable, no offense here, Eric, of counting actual legal votes and validating that vote with a voter ID on January 5th. How would you answer that? This is one of the problems with absentee ballots in the state. If you go through the Secretary of State's website, you have to use your driver's license number or your state photo ID number to get an actual absentee ballot. If you apply through your local board of elections through paper, you don't have to use your driver's license number. Um, That is a problem. It needs to be fixed. It is how the Democrats have gotten around Georgia's voter ID law. But historically, we haven't seen widespread abuse of the system. I I know people perceive there's widespread abuse. And as an elections lawyer, I can tell you there's always fraud in the system, just not enough to change the election. And I don't think we're going to see enough hanky-panky shenanigans this time to really shape the election mm-hmm. in a bad way. So here, here is the follow-up from the same viewer. Are you ready? It's similar, but I, I think there are distinctions that you will find in this question. Can they match the envelope signature with the ballot signature to make sure that verified registered voters are the ones submitting ballots? Do you, Eric, have 100% confidence in that system in Georgia? I actually do have a great deal of confidence in the system. Now, you don't want the ballot to be traceable to the envelope because you want to ensure people have an anonymous vote. 
but before the ballot is taken out of the envelope, the envelope is the, there are two envelopes, an interior envelope that is unmarked and the exterior envelope uh, that everything is on. Before they remove the ballot envelope from the exterior envelope, two different people have to confirm that the signatures match. And if they don't, then the ballot can be rejected. And it's overseen, the entire process is overseen by Democrat and Republican observers watching the entire time. So the Democrats and Republicans on a bipartisan basis can't object. Now, one of the problems in the general election is that the Republicans did not actually participate in the process, even though they were given the opportunity to. I'm not sure why they say they were blocked, uh, but they didn't file a complaint with anyone. They just didn't show Interesting. up. Interesting. They're that going the par- to show up in January. Is that the party's responsibility? Does that lie with the governor or with whom? Yeah, that, that, that's the party. Um, both parties are allowed to observe. It's a public process. Yeah. Anybody, any, any voter can come in and watch them verify signatures. The Republican Party never organized a group to do that. Interesting. Maybe they thought it was in the bag. <laughs> I mean, maybe. That's kind of what I think. Yeah, I just I, I mean, when you see the Republican Party in Georgia now attacking the Republican Secretary of State and attacking the Republican governor, it's almost like damage control to me. They could have participated in the process. They thought they had it in the bag, so they didn't participate in the process. It blew up in their face, and now they don't want to be except blame for it, so it, it must be the Secretary of State who screwed it up. Mm-hmm. I hate COVID delays, by the way. I can't wait till this thing is over. Um, I thought Rand Paul said yeah. something interesting recently. He said, what the courts have shown us post-election is that if you've got an issue, you have to file it pre-election and not after the election. Have you thought about that yet? Would that have made a difference in a state that was decided by 11,000 votes? I, I Look, I just knowing how the process works in Georgia, I don't think it would have, but it would have given people peace of mind. There I mean, go. for okay. example, had the Republicans participated in the signature oversight process, like they were given the opportunity, um, there would be more peace of mind there. Or, for example, in Georgia, you have until 5 p.m. the day before any election to challenge anyone who has asked for an absentee ballot. You can go in publicly. They make the rolls available. You can say, oh, well, this person doesn't even live in the state. Why do they have an absentee mm-hmm. ballot? Nobody challenged that either. But all of that stuff could have been done up until 5 p.m. the day before the election. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you mentioned the suburbs of Atlanta uh, having... Well, I guess ha- having lived there for um, for seven years, uh, I know it well. And I was looking back at David Perdue's Senate race from six years ago. He beat Michelle Nunn by eight or nine points. Really wasn't close. And I was looking at the counties that flipped, and I, I only found a few around the Atlanta area, but two were, they really stuck out at me. One was Cobb County, which is northwest Atlanta. And the other is Gwinnett County, which is northeast of Atlanta. And I want to say he won the overall race statewide by 100,000 votes. So has Georgia, or specifically has Atlanta, really changed that much? In six years, it has changed. Uh, You've got a lot of Fortune 500 companies that have moved into the state, uh, lured here by prior Republican governors mostly. And instead of hiring Georgians, they brought a lot of people from out of the state, uh, from blue states, came into the state, voted Democrat when they got here, just as they did in their old states. That fundamentally has changed the dynamics of the metro Atlanta area. But you also have to recognize that there are a lot of, I would call them 401k Republicans in the north metro Atlanta area. They didn't particularly care for President Trump. 
And there was definitely a protest vote with them as well. In fact, if you look at Shane Hazel, the libertarian candidate who ran against John Ossoff and David Perdue, he outperformed the libertarian presidential candidate in Georgia, uh, getting many more votes than she did. Had he not been in the race, David Perdue would have won handily. What else has changed other than Cobb and Gwinnett? Uh, you know, middle Georgia has changed to some degree. Where I am in Bibb County is a fairly Democratic area. We are surrounded, however, by very Republican areas. Houston County, one of the fastest growing counties in Georgia, has a Robbins Air Force Base. A lot of transplants have come in. It's been overwhelmingly Republican, less so in the last couple of years. Republicans have tended to rely on a middle Georgia anchor and a northern Atlanta anchor. And demographically, those areas are starting to shift a little bit. Now, demography is not destiny. For example, David Perdue got more than 43% of the Hispanic vote in the general election. Uh, Brian Kemp got 38.9% of the Hispanic vote two years ago. Hispanic voters are trending towards the GOP. That actually has the Democrats in Georgia a little nervous because Gwinnett County, the south side of it, is more Asian American. The north side of it is tending to be more Hispanic. And you're starting to see Republicans rebuild in northern Gwinnett County with the Hispanic vote. Mm. Very well done, Eric. Listen, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything overall that you think the audience needs to pay attention to on the night of January 5th? When we're looking at 157 counties on a map, like where do you put your focus, Eric? North Atlanta. Uh, look in the former Milton County, which is now North Fulton County. It'll come in late at night, but that's Alpharetta, Johns Creek, the city of Milton, the city of Roswell. Those have been highly, highly Republican areas. They've trended away from the GOP a bit, but they went for David Perdue and for Kelly Leffler. If those come in strong, now you need to understand that more than 50% of the runoff vote is going to come from that area. And then the surrounding counties of Forsyth, Hall County, Northern Gwinnett, Northern Cobb County, uh, and Cherokee County. Those are the, the rings around the north of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. That's where the bulk of this race is going to be decided. And if they are coming in for David Perdue, and we'll know Forsyth County counts fast. So Forsyth County, that's coming Georgia, very Republican. If it comes in overwhelming for Leffler and Purdue, those other counties connected to it probably will as well, and they'll we'll know for sure they won. Very interesting. Eric, thank you so much. Appreciate all your expertise. We'll see how it all goes down. And to you, have a great holiday, a Merry Christmas, or as I like to say, whatever applies. Thank you, Eric. Merry Christmas. You bet. Eric Erickson, thank you. I'm Bill Hemmer, and this is Hemmer Time. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.